Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. And we're back with another episode of Mouthing Off, the theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond on 94.1 FM Frog Town Radio and wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe you saw us on Minnesota Playlist. Shout out to Minnesota Playlist. Big fans, friends of the pod. We appreciate you all. I'm Kevin Kautzman, joined at the top of the show by Amanda Forstrom. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm super excited for our guest today. We have our favorite, you know, history theater keeps keeps delighting us with guests and with shows. So I'm super excited to talk to Ruthie Baker today and uh, talk all about Ms. Betty Crocker. Yeah. Yes. Ruthie, welcome to Mouthing Off. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here representing all the Bettys in our show. Well, let's get it out of the way right away. You're doing a show at History Theater from November 25th to December 23rd, 2023, called I Am Betty, and yeah. you're an actor. Go. Tell us about tell us about the show. Who are you playing? What is the history of the show? Tell us all about it. Well, the show's been in development for a couple of years. Um, it is written, uh, the music is by Denise Prosak and... Um, the book is by Christina. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her last name. Luzaraga. Do you have it? That's yeah, right. Oh my yeah, gosh. Luzaraga. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for reminding me. And our fearless director, Maya Garcia, who is one of the best humans I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Um, the show is uh, about Betty Crocker and her iteration, how she was created, the women who worked in her test kitchens, the, um, uh, the products that she made that truly shaped the American lifestyle, like Bisquick, like Hamburger Helper, like, and we actually do songs about the creation of Bisquick, the creation of the big red cookbook that she made. And it's Betty Crocker is not a real person, but she lives in so many of the employees that work at General Mills. Mm. You're telling me this for the first time. Betty Crocker is not real. I don't believe you. Oh, I, well, she's I'm, <laughs> not, not one person, many, mm. many people make up Betty Crocker. So I guess she is real in some sense, but it's um, her, her spirit is in all of the people who worked in the test kitchen at General Mills from, you know, the iteration in the early twenties 
and creating pamphlets that would go into sacks of gold medal flour with recipes on it where people could, we even talk about this in the show during the depression, meat was very scarce. So here the ladies in the test kitchen were trying to come up with recipes where people could use things that they could find either on the farm, hunting, like they had like a rabbit stew and a bisquick recipe that they shoved into these gold medal flour sacks. And it's just, it's really neat to see how these, these women truly helped um, the, the average American family with their products. And, Mm. and we, we really honor that at the history theater. So it's a musical. It is a musical. <laughs> yes, they're singing and dancing. Yeah, That's, I haven't. Yeah, go ahead, Amanda. No, I was just going to dry- dive into the dramaturgy already. Um, I knew Betty Crocker was was with us before the Depression, uh, or right before, or Correct. how? Okay, and she. How- Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just going to say the um, the initial ideas started coming around in the early 1920s. Samuel Gale was the then president of the Washburn Crosby Company, which ran mm-hmm. the flour mill downtown, the one that we all like to go to at Mill City Museum, the Washburn Crosby A Mill down there. And um, and so he ran that and he brought in a woman named Marjorie Child and that's played by Aaron Capello in our show and um she's another fantastic musical theater actress here in town and uh and so she plays marjorie and there's actually conversations with samuel gale and marjorie about what are we going to name this person who we want to represent the american cooking housewifey type of ideal and it's so fun because they run through this laundry list of names there's a song that they do called just betty and it's marjorie literally convincing him and kind of giving him the words and the verbiage to go i got it betty yeah that's a great name and then the last name um i'm not giving away too much in the show but it's a uh it's a company man who actually worked at washburn crosby company who was retiring and then betty crocker really took off though because you know radio was so popular then as it is yay podcasts as it is now and um and so what Washburn Crosby Company did was they bought a radio station to promote Betty Crocker and her recipes. What does Washburn W Crosby C C and then an O for the organization? So W-C-C-O. they bought W C O W C O. That Mills. might sound familiar to uh, to all the Midwesterners out here. Yeah, right. So General Mills freaking created W C C O, which is a Minneapolis St. Paul Institute, like that my my grandparents my parents i was raised on so it's nuts to think that it all started because general mills wanted to push and create uh, this betty crocker uh idea imagination and put her onto the air telling women that women would write in all over america saying like you know my souffle isn't sitting just right or you know why does my meringue have tears on it and then she would provide the answers on the air for everybody to listen to sort of like a, um sort of like a what is it uh you know fraser crane but for for cooks and and for yes. recipes <laughs> yes it. exactly it's that's exactly what it is so writing in for your problems that you have anything cooking related and then it eventually transitioned into tv and so 
that's why it was so funny in the audition. I was like, am I auditioning for lessons in chemistry? Cause this is really similar, which is having a moment right now that that book about the woman chemist who, who has her own cooking TV show and tells the American housewife, you matter. Dinner matters. What we do, how we serve our families matters. And, and that's essentially what Betty Crocker was telling these women too on the airwaves is it getting dinner on the table and having it made from a place of, of um, not only love and compassion, but also education and knowing that you're putting good quality ingredients into your children and your family. And it's, it was a way that they could, could educate. So and that also, was really neat. That's amazing. And also connect with other women who are in the same, you know, uh, you know, same shoes because you had a lot of women who were on farms, like you said, and they didn't have access to a lot of these ingredients or didn't have the money to, to acquire them. And for them to be able to connect with each other through her or this idea of many women, if you will, uh, is really interesting and really special. So I'm super excited to see this show. I'm super it's excited. Really, there's some really neat stuff. In fact, um, I was rifling through my grandmother's uh, just just to see if maybe she had any Betty Crocker recipes through her. They, she left me her recipe card um, book and I was looking through it. And sure enough, I pulled out one of her, the Betty Crocker that was inserted into the bags of gold metal flour. It was for a recipe for some cake. I forget what it was, but I just thought, oh my gosh, she kept this since 1938 or whenever she got it. This is nuts. And then all those individual recipe cards, people like them so much. The little fold out, um, yep. tear, like it's like a tear out kind of recipe that we get in magazines nowadays, but these little fold out cards that, that were there, um, people, kept them and collected them. And that was the inspiration for the cookbook because so many people were excited about using the, the Bisquick and the Betty Crocker products and, um, and the cookbook, we, we actually sing a whole song about it. And there's choreography about, uh, uh, you can't see it right now, but when we go appetizers, beverages, vegetables, eggs, and dessert, cookie, salad, meats, and supper, sauces, cake, bread, pies, and soup. And, like there's ah. all these, that's, that's the individual, um, the order of all, the, all the yeah. orders in the cookbook. Yep. And, and it sounds so silly when I say it, you guys, but it's so fun and genuine on stage. And you can see loads of women in your life in this show. I, I see both my grandmothers in the characters. I see my auntie who actually applied to be in the test kitchen in real life. Like, she she came down from like nowhere minnesota from thief river when she was you know right after graduating college to be like i'm gonna become a crockette and work in the uh, test kitchen a crockette and, i yeah. love it and they told her you know get some get some experience under your belt and come back but still like i mean it was so cool that it really happened and we're having some of the crockettes actually come to see the show so no pressure oh, that right? is lovely oh that is it's lovely it's great it's really great. So our first act really journeys through the eyes of Marjorie Child, the woman who created it. And it shows also her relationship with her husband, Wally, and how he really um, was pretty supportive of her being a businesswoman, which in that time and era was not a thing. Like women didn't work. You stayed at home and had babies and that was it. And the fact that she created and ran this company, this massive company, I mean, 
General Mills, who knows, they might have gone under if it wasn't for Betty Crocker and Marjorie Child, who helped create her. And so it's it's really interesting to think about how she actually changed the landscape of American history. And also, um, so that's the first act. It really focuses on her. It runs about 1920 through the late 50s, early 60s. And then act two focuses on heavily um, from the 60s to present day. And there's a woman named Barbara Joe, and she was the second African-American woman to work in the test kitchens. And she ended up working her way up the ladder pretty quickly. And her husband was a guy named Ken Davis, who ran, who used to run Edina Chicken, which was a very popular chicken place in the Midwest. And, um, and he came up with his own barbecue sauce. And because she was the consultant he asked for, he said, I need a Betty Crocker consultant, but I need somebody who knows about barbecue sauce. And they sent her and it's, it's, it's lovely because not only is it about General Mills and the creation of products like Barbara Joe helped create Hamburger Helper. And we do this whole little disco number called Hamburger Helper Boogie. Sounds ridiculous. It's loads of fun. There's a disco ball and everything. It's insane. You should come see it. And then, um, and the lyrics are so smart. Like the lady who wrote it, it the lyrics and the music is, they're phenomenal. Historytheater.com. Historytheater.com. Yes. Yeah. And we are selling well, friends. So make sure to like, if you're thinking like, oh, I should take my mom to that. I take my sister. Somebody would like to see this. Do it now. Get the tickets now. Don't wait till tomorrow or next week. Get on the box office website now, please. Because <laughs> they're starting to sell out. I'm reading uh, the, the Wikipedia, uh, listening diligently, but I I, I, I can multitask oh, and I'm good. eyeballing the the Wikipedia here as we as we go. And right. I'm I'm on Marjorie uh, Childs Wikipedia, mm-hmm. Marjorie Houston, and then this yes. other this other fellow. Um, oh, I was on the WCCO, but uh, it, what's this other fellow's name? Bruce Barton, and and reading about these folks. You, if you, if you're into Mad Men, right? Of course, everybody yes. watched. Everybody watched Mad Men. This was the generation before. The, this would be like the old timers in Mad Men. Mm-hmm. You know, the more senior partners in Mad Men this era. Like, what a coup to create this fictional character. I read that at one point, ninety one percent of American homemakers knew Be- Betty Crocker. I yes. mean, that's like Disney level of of ubiquity and reach. It's- it's, it's incredible. Insane. And and they had over the air, they had this cooking school on the radio and the homemakers could actually graduate and they got a certificate with their name on it signed from Betty Crocker. And it, I mean, like that was a source of pride to hang in your house. And we actually sing the entire Homemakers Creed in the show. It's There's really a special. Home, actually. Homemakers Creed. OK, Homemakers wow, Creed of the home nation. Yep. Holy, was this during World War II or was this more of a, it's, just a it's, general? It's, no, it started earlier during the radio <laughs> show and it, it went all the way through for, for a while. I think they, they sent out the, the homemaker certificates for a while. Wow. Very interesting history. And <laughs> a way to stuff. really, like really, I mean, thinking of it from a marketing standpoint, I'm like, that's genius to get into like the hearts of the everyday American and be like, I matter. Here's my, here's my certificate that I went to school. And, you know, just cause I'm having babies and making hamburger, or, uh, they didn't have hamburger helper then, but you know, Bisquick and rabbit stew night after night. 
that <laughs> what I do matters. And I have not uh, heard that word bisquick in a long time. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a pancake mix, right? I mean, you just pancakes, waffles. You know what? Yes. Generally, nowadays it is used more as a pancake mix, but before, uh, back in the day, it was more of a biscuit. Ah, right. Biscuits er, quick. Er, ergo, bisquick. There you are. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah Ruthie, uh, we're learning so much here. Let's let's learn a little bit about you. Are you uh, a Minnesotan, uh, you know, or original? Born and, we're born and bred in Minnesota. And yeah. you, when did you know you were going to be an actor? Oh, my gosh. It was pretty ridiculous. I'm fairly certain it was when I was about five and I had started taking dance lessons and I would stop strangers at the Southdale shopping mall and show them my dance steps for that week. Yeah, it was real bad. I'm sure my mom was like, what is going on here? Why is my child stopping random strangers and being like, you want to see me shuffle ball change? Okay. So it was, yeah, delightful. And, and I knew when I was, um, 11, I saw the touring show of Crazy For You, which was the big, huge, splashy Gershwin musical. And my aunt took me and I looked at her after and I said, oh, they look like they're having so much fun on stage. I want to do that. And she said, you know, they're getting paid to do that, right? And I said, what? <laughs> I said, that's their job. It's not just for fun. And, uh, and then all the gears started clicking and shifting and I saw national tours and Went and got my degree in musical theater uh, in at Stevens Point, University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, and stayed on a fifth year and got my degree in arts management as well. Because if I couldn't, you know, kick my leg up above my head when I'm in my fifties and sixties, then I can run a theater someday. Or, you know, if there weren't roles that I was excited about, I could be on the production side of things. And um, and then I I went to New York for a hot second, like we're talking two weeks like a real hot second and I could not get seen I could I was non-union and I couldn't get seen and I was like this is ridiculous I'm here to audition for Wicked and Thoroughly Modern Millie and I couldn't even get in the room so I said enough of this I came back to the Twin Cities was very lucky because I immediately got into the History Theater's production of Christmas of Swing I've I've been kind of the resident Patty Anders for the last 20 years I just passed the torch to Elena Glass, another beautiful actor in the Twin Cities last year. And um, because I'm Patty has to be young. Like, let's be honest here. I'm I'm 40, so it's it's okay. It's fine. But um, I it's it was a delightful ride. I did all the history theaters iterations of Christmas of Swing, Sisters of Swing, that kind of thing. But um Ron Peluso, the former artistic director, gave me my equity card and he let me join the actors union and I moved to New York. And I lived there for 10 years and I did a ton of regional theater. I got real close to a couple Broadway shows. Um, our other fellow Minnesotan, Laura Osnes, actually got me into the final callbacks for Cinderella on Broadway. And I would have played her stepsister, but it went to another actor who they were pretty excited about. So, you know, wasn't meant to be. But um, I, I met my husband in New York. So if not one dream, then another. And moved back to Minnesota and have been kind of steadily working and having a family. And it's, it's the best of both worlds here. I couldn't imagine lugging mm. a stroller up and down the subway in New York. That doesn't sound like I, much fun. I, uh, yep. okay. I, so I spent about eight years in Washington DC and one year in New York and I was happy and I was like, Oh, my career's going great. Mm -hmm. But I had this thought of, I don't want to haul a stroller up and down the subway nope. by myself. Nope. 
I nope. That's so funny that because I'm born and raised in Minnesota, and so it's so yeah. funny that we had like this exact same thought somewhere in the subway. <laughs> like, we can, I can't, I can't imagine this. This isn't right. Something, and you know, God love all the all the people who can do it and and are doing oh, it. Yes. Like, good work. Uh, you're better yes. people than than Wrong. I could be. But woof, that's so funny. Yeah, I just I. I have way too much anxiety to trust my kid around a subway platform. It just would not happen. And I mean, I was really lucky because I was a personal assistant for a family on the Upper East Side. So uh, we got the, um, we were lucky enough. They, they had a, a driver and a, and it's a big suburban vehicle that would come pick us up at the school. So I never had to get on the subway with their kids. It was a totally different lifestyle than I grew up with, but it was, it, it really opened my eyes a lot. And they were, it was because of that family that I got to keep doing theater though, because they would let me go and do whatever show I was auditioning for in Missouri or Pennsylvania or wherever in Florida. Bye. We'll see you in three months. And they would welcome me back with open arms every single time to go and do more personal assistant work for them. So there's that some, was fantastic. There's some families and some people in New York city who, when you say theater and I'm an actor or I'm a playwright, that, they will, it's a, di- a bit of a different vibe out there. They, they, they take, yes. they're proud of theater out there. Yeah. Oh, and very they understand so. that it, yeah. I mean, New York is, is, and will always probably be the heart of American theater. What can you say? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we are a very, I, I think we do a great job here in Minneapolis and Minnesota representing lots and lots of different types of theater and genres of theater, but truly, I mean, New yeah. York is the pulse right now. Absolutely. I mean, what can what can you say about it? Uh, that's a very cool story. That warms my heart. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I spent some time on the Upper East Side myself, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that area. You know, I ended Moving up in Washington. Up. Oh yeah, I ended up in Washington Heights. Side. Yeah, I oh, love. Great. The, uh, yeah, I love the Heights. I got to go back. Shout out to all my friends in Washington Heights, including Mari, who uh, should be joining us here at at, at some point. I, I want to read the list of the uh, the the Betty Crocker products. Can I do this? May I oh read yeah, the do list? it. Go for it. Okay, here we yes. go. Bakos discontinued in 2016. Betty Crocker <laughs> brownie bar. Bet- Betty Crocker cookbook. Betty Crocker baking mixes. Bisquick fruit roll ups. Betty Crocker canned frosting, bowl appetite shelf stable entrees, <laughs> Betty Yummy. Crocker so delicious, discontinued, cake and dessert decorating products, Dunkaroos, fruit by the foot, fruit gushers, hamburger helper, and related yep. products, potato buds, instant mashed potatoes, suddenly salad mixes, shake and make pancake mix. And warm delights, microwavable desserts. There, that's the that's the list. From I like a good list. That's yeah. Hmm. That's a lot of hours in the test kitchen, right oh, there. Yeah. Wow, absolutely. Right. Lots of women and and men. I'm sure. I'm sure there were a couple of dude croquettes too. So, uh, so a, like a croquette is somebody who works in the in the, in the test kitchen, the Betty Crocker yeah. test kitchen. And there okay. used to be tours. How unsanitary! You used to be able to go <laughs> walk into the freaking kitchen. And like, look and sneeze into their food that they were preparing. Ooh. Like, could you imagine? Ooh, yeah, no, that doesn't sound very appetizing. <laughs> this I, is so interesting. Yeah, I just I can't believe when with the tours. Oh, also, as the test kitchens got bigger and bigger, there were different. You had a different apron for whatever kitchen you worked in. So, orange was for like 
the Asian-inspired kitchen, and purple was for the New Orleans-inspired kitchen. And so it's just, it was so interesting to hear about all the different different types of, like, the, the different outfits even that they had to wear. Yeah. Like, I, I want to... I want to ask, like, was what was the most coveted department in the test kitchen to work for? Was it like, ooh, if you are working on the Bisquick stuff, like, wow, you've you've made the top of the test kitchen. Like what it's, you know, you know, I think they actually um, I think they did a lot of good, at least from what I've what I've garnered from the research I've done at Mill Museum and also just the little bit that I've read on it. Um, I think they did a really good job at doing round robin where different croquettes went to different kitchens because then they could bring their own spin on, okay, well, if that didn't work, I'm going to have this idea that I can put forth and maybe this one will work to make it a better product that we, so I think they round robin a lot and went into each other's spaces and maybe you worked in one kitchen. So I'm not exactly, I'm, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but I think all of them were very happy to just be there initially because mm-hmm. it was a hard gig to get like that was a, that's that was like the Broadway of home economics. Like if you got your degree in home ec and you got to work at the Betty Crocker test kitchen, you made it. Like the yeah, the Rockettes are to Broadway what Crockettes are to correct to, to cooking and bake. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they were well rounded Crockettes too. Like can oh make yeah, anything. that's crazy. That's awesome. Yep. I and, wonder and, how many people if you if you grab the hundred random people on the street how many people would think she's a real woman? Oh, Wouldn't that be I would probably like, like 80, 85. They'd be like, more. yeah, my grandma met her or something like that. Your grandma right. did not meet her. She yeah, she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Amanda. No, I was just going to say, I I knew she wasn't a real person. Like Betty Crocker, per se, wasn't a real person, but mm-hmm. I thought she was based off of one uh, you know, one or two combination of women, but it was just totally fictional. Totally fictional. Women. That is and, so crazy. And you should have seen because of the popularity that she had, all of the other flower companies followed suit. They all had a lady with a name who they tried to replicate Betty Crocker, but she, there were at one time, I think there were like 30 different names out there of various versions of Betty Crocker that these other flower companies were really trying to push. There was a, a show that I saw at Woolly Mammoth, who also does like new work, or specializes in new work. And um, I think it was called Five Bettys and it was about Betty Boop. And it was somewhat. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. So it was somewhat of a similar um, theme, but it, uh, each Betty was kind of in a different time period or mm-hmm. uh, a different perspective of of womanhood or personhood, if you will. And. Uh, but they were named Betty and then they all like fictionally came together and kind of like talked to each other about their about oh what's gosh. going on in their lives. It was very interesting. Oh, that sounds the cast so cool. Was absolutely phenomenal. But it it uh reminds me of of Betty Boop and and I'm wondering if Betty Crocker had this sort of like uh effect on American women uh fashion-wise too. Where they, you know, cut cut her hair like Betty Boop and cut, you know, did their makeup or, you know, if if they had, you know, the fictional Betty Crocker, you know, pictured Maybe. on the box, you know, if women styled themselves like Betty Crocker too, you know. I'm sure. I mean, there were probably loads of housewives out there that saw her on because they had a 
a fake woman or I mean, I'm sorry, a real woman playing her on TV, like as an actor. Right. And um, I'm sure that there were probably women out there who saw her outfit or her hair and thought, Oh, I want to do mine like that because I mean, and she was such a cultural influence and they kept changing her picture probably once every five or 10 years, they hmm. changed it to update the style. So sometimes she would look younger. Sometimes she would look a little bit more matronly. Sometimes she would look, um, a little more stern, like in the seventies, they really had her in this like helmet head, like kind of LBJ, what's <laughs> his, his lovely wife. Um, and, and so it's, yeah, kind of like a helmet head. And then we actually joke in the very last scene of the show when, um, we're all supposed to be, uh, coming together and having like a potluck, all these, all these women are coming together as, as in today, like a 2021 sort of 2023 sort of scenario, right after the pandemic, they're getting back together again. And one of these women started a, a channel called Yo Soy Betty, like I'm, I am Betty. Mm-hmm. And she does all Betty Crocker recipes. And so we all bring our families Betty Crocker recipes. And, um, and so they, we had, we had that really neat experience where um, we looked at the most, like one of the most recent Betty Crockers. And it was somebody said, gosh, she kind of looks like Amy Klobuchar. And we were like, you know, uh-huh, not wrong. Betty hmm. Crocker looks a little like Amy Klobuchar and it made it into the show. So it's it's so funny. Oh, I have goodness. I have a bit of the history of the portraiture and the look. So this is from, oh, great. again, from the Wikipedia. A portrait of Betty Crocker was first commissioned in 1936, a motherly image that blended the features of several home service department members that was painted by Nasa McMine. It subtly yeah. changed over the years, but always accommodated General Mills' cultural perception of the American homemaker, knowledgeable and caring. The 1996 portrait of Betty Crocker, her General Mills, was partially inspired by a computerized composite of 75 women of diverse backgrounds and ages. These portraits were always painted with no real person ever having posed as a model. So they were using, they computer generated, she's like, she, well, yeah, some sort of, uh, some sort of composite imaging. Yeah. I'm sure General Mills has some powerful computers, you know, in the nineties, here comes, here comes Mari. Let's invite Mari in. Hang on, hang on. I want to ask Mari a question straight away. Let's, let's wait until she pops in. No dead air. Hey, Mari, can you hear me? Hello. Hey, Mari's here. (laughs) All right, Mari. This is Ruthie Baker. She's an actor. Quick question, Mari. Is Betty Crocker a real woman? Do you think Betty Crocker is a real, like a real person? I swear she's real. <laughs> right? Where do you think? Where do you think Kevin she's from? Is play these terrible tricks? <laughs> we're we're learning all about the history of Betty Betty Crocker. No, Mar- and Mari, that was a little cruel of me, but no, Ma- Betty Crocker <laughs> is was was a totally fabricated, made up woman created in in Minneapolis by and New York by ad people uh yeah so there you go welcome welcome to, to the show mari how are you i'm doing good and that really rocked my world so i guess everybody <laughs> has to get down to history theater and learn more absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah totally we were talking about new york we've been talking about betty crocker we were just talking about how in 1996 they made uh, the, the the 1996 version of Betty Crocker was based on a computerized composite of 75 different women that somebody painted. And no, no single woman is ever like posed, you know, there's no model that you can point to. So just a total uh, 
cultural creation, almost like, and I'll, I'll, I'll send it back to you, Ruthie, but um, almost like creating folklore. It's just like like the original, she's like the original, like AI girlfriend, but she's like AI grandma. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And they actually, Marjorie Child, one of the women who initially created Betty Crocker, we have a song where Nisa McMain is actually painting her eyes. And the song is called, these are my eyes. And because she's like, wow, this is, this is me. And, and Nisa then tells, um, this is my one of my favorite lyrics in the show. And, and, uh, Nisa says to Marjorie, she said, Betty Crocker is four shades of white and five shades of red, but Marjorie is painted with a symphony. And like, it's just, but they talk about her eyes, her Marjorie's eyes were in one of the first iterations of Betty Crocker. So. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Such a, uh, I was reading to Maury that apparently at one point, 91% of American homemakers knew the name Betty Crocker, knew about. I mean, just this total, absolute marketing coup. It goes beyond marketing. It's like, again, creating this, this character that has this feeling of almost like a, like a Paul Bunyan heft. Like, this is, oh, clearly this is some, you know, woman, you know, uh, from the from the Great Plains, from, you know, the upper Midwest. And she's going to teach, you know, teach us all how to make... Uh, you know, the perfect pancakes, <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> so, no, I guess I have to ask the obvious question is, Ruthie, have you and the cast gotten together to make uh, <gasps> these recipes? Well, funny enough, we haven't made them yet, but we are hoping this week is tech week. So things are a little like hairy and crazy. But when we have when we finally get out of tech and we open on Saturday, we're saying that maybe the following week on a two show day, which is like a thing where you do a 2 2 p.m. matinee and then a 7.30 show. And you don't have much time to go home in between, but we were thinking we could all bring um, a dish that represents our culture or our heritage. And we actually talked about that in um, when we were workshopping that last scene where we're all supposed to kind of almost come as ourselves in the scene. And we talked about like one of the girls is she, she's Japanese and she doesn't cook, but she's like, I'll do a build your own maki roll. And, and then one of the other girls said, you know, what my grandma and I did is we called it throw it in the pan. And we, you put in a lot of berries and whatever other fruits you could find. And then you put yellow cake mix on the top and you throw anything you had in the pan. And one of the other girls in the show literally not a second later said that was going to be my recipe. My family did that too. Totally different backgrounds, totally different women. And so, I mean, that's, that's a part of the show too. If you see that last scene and you're thinking like, wow, Ruthie's family is bringing goulash because her mom's Hungarian. And yes, true. That is a true line in the show. So it's, it's weird when this art mirrors life, but when um, Christina, our wonderful, uh, book writer when she first presented this scene to us with these lines in it of words that we had actually said i i burst into tears i was like oh my god it's my story like literally on stage this is great so yeah it's mm. it was so neat to have that person i've never had that happen in a show before that real personal connection amanda uh, mari what would starting with amanda what would your dishes be for this oh yeah I'll what would you what bring my, what would you bring yeah, what would you bring it's something from my heritage. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even something growing up. 
that you well love. i could bring it i don't know if anybody would eat lutefisk oh no i knew she was gonna say lutefisk i knew she was gonna you you're obligated by law aren't you to say that yeah probably yeah yeah otherwise um, you're ex excommunicated from the Norwegian cakes, though, like the crimson caca and the yes, I would. Those. I, I love baking, so I'd probably bring a crumb caca mm. or like rosettes. Oh, crumb caca, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're yeah. oh, yeah. they're amazing. What is I love. A, what is it, that? Okay, so oh, something that I love about Scandinavian pastries—you can't even call them pastries—but they're like they're almost like a tea cookie or something, but with a minus the tea. It, they're they're very light. And they are super hard to make. Uh, and they have all these like interesting shapes and a lot of like powder, just little powdered sugar, but they're very thin and they're very delicate. They're not heavy or syrupy or filled with any kind of cream or anything like that, usually. Um, but yeah, I would probably bring I would probably bring Krumkaka. Yep. Mari, what would you bring? Well, I don't know if I could bring anything from my culture because my Jewish family doesn't cook. So you could pick it up at Katz's or at the deli. We wouldn't, we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Turn right. Down yeah. Ruben. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have been craving yeah. my maternal grandmother's sausage stuffing that we always used to make where we would grind all of the sausage ourselves. And we have the grinder that's been passed through all the generations that my aunt has. That's probably oh. really nasty. Cause it's like almost 150 years old, but that's what but, makes it so good. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It's all the flavor. Yes, all the flavor. It's like you can't, you know, one of those cast iron skillets. Yeah, you know why when you know it's like one of those memes where somebody puts like soap on it, and you're like, no, yeah, you got to season the sausage grinder. Yes, exactly. Or lefsa. I maybe make lefsa. Oh yeah, lefsa. Lefsa is so good with lefsa. like butter. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, brown yeah, sugar. yeah. Mm. Listen, sign me up. Uh, oof, and I got to. What would you uh, bring? I Kevin? was just gonna say, I got to team myself up. Thank you, thank you, Ruthie. I would bring. Nifla. Do y'all know what Nifla is? No, what is it? Okay. And and this is from Wikipedia. Nifla is uh, a type of dumpling commonly used in soups. And it's Nifla soup is what I would bring. Uh, the word is related to the modern German dialect word Knifla, meaning little knob or button. Traditional Nifla soup is a thick chicken and potato soup, almost to the Ooh. point of being a stew. Common in the U.S. states of Minnesota, South Dakota, and North Dakota, where there was significant settlement of German immigrants from the Russian Empire. And those are my people. And the North Dakotan one is, is typically uh, typically contains just potatoes and dumplings because we don't want anything <laughs> green in there. Nope. It, it's oh, it's a it, potatoes, dumplings, cream, <laughs> and just stick it right to my ribs because it's going to be cold and windy for six, seven months. Um, yeah, that, Do they oh, sell I, that? At Black Forest uh, Inn, where did they I, sell you it? You know, I don't know. You know the, it, but in my hometown, like in Bismarck, Mandan, like a place could kind of live or die by their nifla. You would go, you go out of your way for the nifla soup, uh, and just oh, and just a little ooh, and then some places would would make it kind of thinner with a broth, more like a chicken soup. Other places, mm. it would just be like a bowl of cream and Lovely. and and oh, and just uh, and yeah. it's just stick to your ribs. Yeah, Amanda. Yeah, I almost uh, like I've had it once before and it was thick, like a almost like a potato soup, but it was Nifla in there or like dumpling, potato dumpling soup is what I know it as. You know? Oh, just but, dynamite. Uh, you know, I'm. Yeah. So is uh, it similar Mari. to regular chicken and dumplings? 
uh, mm, it's heavier, right? I mean, you'd say yes. it's heavier. It's more yeah. of like a, a, a stew or a, it's and almost a stew. there's not chicken in there. Right. You know, it's just, yeah. 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 Chicken was a delicacy for these German peasants. We, we, yeah, we were, yeah, we were friggin' dirt poor. Um, the other one, and I gotta, I gotta say this because I didn't realize there was a Wikipedia article on this. The other one is Schupfnudel, which my grandmother would make for us. And they're also called Finger Noodle. I won't read the whole thing, but they're, they're a type of dumpling and it's literally just dough, you know, wheat flour and egg. And you just, they're like, it's like gnocchi and you mm-hmm. just throw them, you just throw them, throw them on the countertop griddle and we'd have them with syrup. And oh, I loved when my grandma would come to town and her name was Betty. So there oh, you go. Job, yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. Betty, Betty, Betty Anybody Hudson, else? Hudson Bueller, not Crocker. <laughs> Any other Hudson Bueller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My my grandma was Betty Schaefberger, so very German as well. Betty Uh, Schaefberger. Yeah, genau. We're we're getting it in. This is so fun. Now I'm hungry. I know, right? And then you mentioned goulash, which which my family also made, and I love a good goulash. If you've never had it, I highly encourage you to try it. It's like hamburger helper, but from scratch. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Wow, Mari. And I mean, this is just getting back to the show a little bit. And forgive me if you've already discussed this, but are there any kind of iconic Betty Crocker foods or recipes that make it into the show? We went, yes, there's, we sing a couple songs in the show. One is about the creation of Bisquick, Biscuits Quick. So the biscuits, which now we use for pancake mix. And And chicken and dumplings. (laughs) Yes, correct. And then we also talked, uh, there's a song about the Big Red Cookbook that's really was popular and still continues to be like I was gifted it for my wedding. Funny when I told my castmates this literally four other hands went up that said I was also gifted that for my wedding. And so it must be a thing from like aunties and grandmas to give to the younger set. And then, um, and then the last thing we sing a song about hamburger helper, but there's so many other, so, so, so many other ideas and creations that she came up with. So but we just touch on those because there's too many to name. I did not know, though, that she did Dunkaroos, Kevin. Now I'm excited about that. Yes, I didn't know about Dunkaroos and like fruit roll-ups. Did she, <laughs> did they like sell the idea to like other companies or maybe they had to call it? But no, it's fruit roll-ups. Right? I'm pretty sure there's a little red spoon on the front of the box. Pretty yeah, sure. they must have, they must have just figured out, you know, how to, she, you know, they brand it with her. I mean, it's a brand. Yeah. People recognize it and everything. Yeah, this is interesting. In 1945, Fortune magazine named Betty Crocker the second most popular woman in America. Eleanor Roosevelt was named first. In the same year, Fortune outed Betty Crocker as a fictitious character, calling her a fake and a fraud. Oh. So, so what? I mean, who knows if this was like that might have been marketing too. You don't know. Like, I wonder. I really wonder if the editors of Fortune magazine got duped and then insulted. Um, anyway, it's an, very, very fascinating. And Mari, this is a musical, so I don't know if you're. Yes, uh, well, yeah. history theaters yeah. make some really amazing musicals out of really unexpected subjects. Consistently, does a great job of that. Yeah. yeah, their mission is um, to promote the Minnesota Midwest and the American experience. So it's really neat. All the different. I mean, they've done shows from I, I saw one about the Great Hinkley Fire back in like 1885. It was so beautiful. It's called Fireball. It was a huge combination of dancing and singing. And oh, it was just heart wrenching. So now whenever I drive through Hinkley, 
in addition to getting my Toby's, which is has a cinnamon roll the size of your head, I also want to visit the fire museum. So it's, and let's, it's, that's very fascinating. Let's hit the dates one more time. So this is November 25th to December 23rd, 2023. Tickets are at historytheaterre.com. And we are mouthing off from Badmouth Theater Company, talking with Ruthie Baker. I want to invite everybody to Badmouth has a holiday party coming up on December 11th. It's a Monday. It's free. It's at Waldman Brewery. There are our pals. Go support Waldman, whether or not you you come to our holiday party. Uh, they're a wonderful historic venue right in downtown St. Paul. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a good time. We're going to kind of announce our 2024 plans. You can go to badmouthtc.com, RSVP, help us get a head count. We're going to have lots of German stuff there. We're going to have pretzels and uh, pickles and, uh, and all sorts of wonderful things. One more time, December 11th, 2023, badmouthtc.com. Mari, you got to come from New York. Amanda, what's up? No, I, that reminds me, Kevin, that, you know, Waldman is, I think, the oldest or one of the oldest buildings in St. Paul. And I think it started as a German mercantile store. And I kind of want History Theater to do a Waldman musical. I mean, a Waldman show would be that would be fascinating. It, it really would. That history is just is very, very interesting. I don't know very much about the family, but they you know, you talk to the owner and and the staff there. I mean, and they they do sort of have some of that history. So yeah, maybe there's something there. You never know. I don't know. Who would and work I mean, on they that play? Back Amanda? around from a private residence back to a a brewery and a and a you know yeah. restaurant. How how awesome is that? I'd yeah. I'd see that show. I love a site site specific. I can't talk site specific show. And it mm. could be site specific. They, Ruthie, <laughs> you up for directing? You want to add that? Oh, I've only directed. I've only directed middle schoolers. I don't know if I can handle grownups. We'll see. Well, That'd let's talk a little, a little more about, a little more about you, Ruthie. We got another maybe ten minutes, and uh, oh my gosh. so no, yeah, I, you know, so we were getting to know you. You were, you were living in New York. You came back. You, you're, you're an actor through and through. That's your, that's your top line. That is my actor. my mo. Well, I'm now like after. After living here for five years, my husband and I um, started a family. We have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And so in addition to doing night shift until 10 o'clock at the theater, then I come home and I do night shift at overnight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's great, though. I mean, it, they're they're nice kids. There's no no jerks. So that's ah, good. That great. is good. Yeah, I've got a I've got a teenager, and then I got a three year old, a one year old, and another on the way. So oh, I am. Bless. I Go yes, in indeed. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You didn't That's you didn't see this, but Ruth, Ruthie Ruthie gave the sign of the cross to me, and I'm very into it. I I need that more than you know, Ruthie. Our priest is. Our priest is fully aware. Um, but yeah, that's um, those when- six, five, and two. You said him. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. I have two boys and then a little girl and the boys are both in elementary school now. And I am like doing cartwheels away from the elementary school door in the morning after (laughs) drop off. It's it's great. Um, Not that I, I don't love having them at home. They're wonderful boys. If you're listening boys, I love you so much, but it's so nice to have them go to school for a little and then come home and I can love on them again. So it's great. Do you see like, any mm. uh, any actor, uh, mm. uh, little actor, is it, is little it in the jeans? budding? Yes. Mm. <laughs> well, again, this whole like um, 
I don't know if any of your kids, like my, my kids don't actually play Fortnite, but they know about the little dances and there's like some other trendy dances that the children are doing these days, like a lot of jumping up and down. And it kind of almost reminds me of like praise dancing. I don't know, but it's like stomping your foot in the ground and like jumping around and sticking your arms in the air. So my, my son, Luke, we were listening, we were decorating the Christmas tree tonight and listening to Christmas music. And of course, Mariah Carey sang her beloved, all I want for Christmas is you. And that kid was moving around the living room. I mean, and my two-year-old also, um, everything is Elsa these days. And we have a lot of into the unknown and let it go in our house. She sings along to, we, we call it the Shesha, the Alexa. We, we, uh, we don't call her by her name. We call her the Shesha. So, and Shesha. because then she, otherwise she listens. She, big brother's always listening. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. Mm. So we call her something else. And so we, we have her play it a lot. And Grace will scream at the top of her lungs. And also, um, and whenever mom tries to join in to be like, look, mommy can sing too. The answer is always no, no mama, no mama. I sing. Oh, and you're like, no, wait mama. a second. People oh, no. pay me. People pay me to sing and dance. I know, and- right? I'm Come like, on. <laughs> this, is, this is the good stuff. No mama. You shh, shh, mama, you sh- quiet. Sh- Whoa. Okay. So, good to know. Good to know. All she's right. In well, we'll we will we will look out for uh future future yes. Ruthie Baker, the acting, the clan, the it's, acting clan. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Song and dance family. You're gonna need a little, <laughs> yeah, a little bus. Yeah, it'll it'll be the whole nine yards. Um, were you involved in originating like like cause you, this is a premiere of a new musical? Uh yeah. I am Betty. Were you involved? from the earlier stages or did they you bring know you what? in here for the show or what's the story? It was, it was a little bit later. I was, when they were workshopping it, I was, um, I, I don't know if I was other, otherwise occupied or what, but Aaron Capello and Jennifer Grimm have been in the workshops. They are two of the actresses. They've been in the workshops since this started and they were doing it. I think during COVID over zoom was one of the first workshops. And, um, which is crazy to me to think about writing a musical over zoom. That's nuts. And, um, and so they, they've been really uh, good about kind of letting us in on little bits of information as to who's been in the cast before. But I mean, like this slurry of Twin Cities actresses who I represent have all been a part of creating this show. People who aren't in it anymore, but like, I mean, every, every name that I've heard pop up, that's like, Oh, so-and-so was in a workshop of this. So-and-so did a reading of this. So-and-so was in the raw stages of this. And it's just incredible. But, But I just came on for this portion but the laundry list of women in this is incredible. Which is also yeah. really cool uh, mirroring of the real Betty Crocker story. You right. know, um, that's awesome. I love that. Yep. yep. Yeah. And- I mean, musical doesn't just pop out of thin air. You don't do it in three months. It takes a long time to realize. And this Not is a lot this of talent. Is pretty, yeah. And this is Denise, Denise Prosek's baby this is her she has two boys already this is her third baby and this is she has been at theater latte da being their music director for years and years and years she is fiercely talented and so 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 precise with her work with exactly what she writes and exactly the lyrics she wants to use and she's like she's like minneapolis's female sondheim and this is her first full production that she's 
ever had produced of her music. And I'm so excited for her because the Twin Good Cities audiences her. are just going to eat this up. She's terrific. Yes. Tickets, historytheater.com, R-E, historytheater.com. Get on out. Amanda, we got to go. Yeah, this what? sounds like fun. Already? That seems yeah. not right. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean we got another couple of minutes here. I'm saying we got to go to the show. Oh, got to get, get Ryan out and uh, <laughs> go to the show. Come on. Yes, that too. Let's go. Also, the conversation has flown by. Holy yeah, cow. I know it goes so fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Mari, uh, you joined us halfway. Do you have any any other questions for Ruthie as we kind of wind down? Oh, gosh. I mean, I guess what is it like to work with like local talent? Because I think there's something that history theater reminds us so often is that there is so much not necessarily hidden, but maybe overlooked talent sitting in places like the Twin Cities or other cities in the Midwest. And doing an original musical is not something that you get to do often as an actor in the Midwest. Like, what is that like? Ever, anywhere. Even in New York, you don't get to do original shows. People are producing work that has already been done many, many times. I mean, very rare. I'm sure there's a couple companies in New York that do new work, but still, this is, it's been a joy and also other actors in the show who maybe don't see themselves primarily as actors but maybe are think of themselves as singers first it's just really neat to see them blossom on stage telling stories just like the rest of us are and they everybody holds the show and and the nice thing is we all we all hold each other up in this as actors and that has been a joy maya garcia our director made that real apparent from day number one that we are here to take care of each other in the room and we are here to support one another and i've never ever had a director ask at the beginning like take take a minute take five minutes and go around the circle and say how was everybody's day today like i've never had that happen as and to be in a room full of women where we are all very real and honest with each other like I've had a day that was pretty crummy and this is what happened. Or I had a great day and this is what happened. And it's just so interesting. All of us are coming into the room with all these different energies and to acknowledge it before the rehearsal even starts is a gift. And so, yes, Maya Garcia has made me a believer in the, hello, how are you? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Ruthie Baker. People can find you online. You have a website. I do. Well, I actually, if you want to buy or sell a house with me, it's ruthieshouseandhome.com because I'm <laughs> okay. a realtor as well. All right. But, um, very good. Yeah. So, uh, but Ruthie Baker is my, ruthiebaker.com is my main, my main website. Or if you have any questions about real estate, I'm also here for that. Yeah. And who doesn't love Twin Cities real estate? I sure do. And the show, <laughs> the show is, uh, the show is I am Betty at History Theater, historytheater.com, RE, November 25th to December 23rd. You've been listening to Mouthing Off from Bad Mouth Theater Company, badmouthtc.com. Our holiday party is coming up December 11th, Waldman Brewery. Go to badmouthtc.com for more details. I'm Kevin Couchman. This is Amanda Forstrom. That is Mari Sittner. <laughs> Mari, thank you for, for popping in. And and, uh, of course, yeah. it was a pleasure. Always fun. And Ruthie, we really enjoyed it. You're always welcome back. Oh, you guys were just delightful. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for promoting the History Theater. You're the best. <laughs>